By the way, Ryan, I learned a trick um, on a podcast that I was on. It really only works if you have over-the-ear headphones, but what you do is you just have everyone but one person put their headphones up to the microphone and one person claps, and that clap is picked up by every single person's audio. I hate that idea. It's because you said it. It's only because you said it. Otherwise, it sounds like a great idea. <laughs> and we're back. California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Coens. It is officially season two. We have arrived, guys. Season yeah. two, we're back in the Orange County. Uh, my name is Ryan Drake, coming to you from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. It is a beautiful day here. I would like to say hello and welcome to uh, our third wheel. Let's start. Let's start with our third wheel for season two. New Dylan. Welcome back, New Dylan. Hey, you know, I was New Dylan for a while, but I discovered um, in our text group that I think you might hate New Dylan more than Old Dylan. So I'm going to try something completely different for the second season, and I'm just going to be myself. So mm, interesting. Let's I'm see how this pays off. It'll, it'll be it'll be really really underwhelming. Yeah, there's going to be no payoff to this at all. I can't wait. Uh, I, would also, I would also like to say hello and welcome to the owner, creator, and funniest person on this podcast coming to us from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Chelsea Trinidad. Hello, Chelsea. Hi, guys. I would like to add CEO to that title also. Is that cool? Sure. Totally. I mean, out of, out of the three of us, I mean, I think that we can all agree that I'm definitely the sharkiest of the group. I'm more yes, of, you, I'm, yeah. you do have large, sharp teeth. I agree. Well, whatever, whatever people actually listen to this podcast and we can monetize, y'all know. <laughs> that Chelsea's going to steal money from us. Yes. Yes. She got Caleb Nickel <laughs> energy. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. That's the opposite. I will make us money and divide it. Uh... I would say three ways, but let's be real. It'll be more like 45, 45, 10. Yeah. Yes. I agree actually with that. We're on the same page. Chelsea's going to take all, Chelsea's going to take all our money and invest in GameStop. Yeah. It's going to be great. Or Dogecoin. That, that's a joke. That's a topical joke from March 1st, not Ever- from March 31st when you're hearing this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Evergreen. Actually, I don't know. Even that, those jokes are like a month late, honestly. All right. All right. I am very cool and topical. All right. I did want to say, speaking of cool and topical, to before we dive into uh, season two of the OC, uh, there's some things happening in the, in the world of the OC. I've gotten a lot of DMs and texts about this, uh, which is, makes me happy that I'm a, <laughs> that I'm people's like go to outlet for OC news. I think that's cool. Yeah, totally. So two things are happening, then, and, and I think are are interesting. Uh, one is there's there seems to be a lot of uh, a lot of scuttlebutt. The people are talking. I got my ears to the streets. People are talking. A lot of a lot of chatter about the potential for an OC reboot coming sometime in 2022, I believe. Um, I read, I think I sent you guys the post from Dumois, which is wrong more. She's wrong more than she's right. But uh, there was a a long post on her story um, a couple weeks ago now talking about the potential for an OC reboot um, without Ben McKenzie. Apparently he's not involved. He doesn't want to be involved. If they do it, he will not be involved. Um, And... I think their idea was it would focus more on Summer and Seth and their kids going to high school. So I was wondering. Wait, hang on. Summer and Seth are old enough to have high school kids. Yeah. That show ended in 2007. Mm -hmm. And they were apparently what? 22 or something like that in the last season. No, they were 19. 
Oh. I mean, I feel like you could fast forward and say, like, oh, we're just, they have kids now. It doesn't really, <laughs> Do the a, timeline doesn't exactly have to match up, I guess. Riverdale right? Yeah, I guess. Jump. they. I mean, God, they just, Rachel Bilson still looks exactly like she did on the first episode, except with le- less, like, Botox in her lips. Like, mm. I can't even... Fathom. Well, I don't. The other rumor I heard was that they were just going to do their own kind of podcast. Was that not? A well, thing that was anymore? the other thing. That's the other thing I was going to talk about. But this post that I sent said there's all uh, there's also a rough sketch circulating of where the show would pick up. Seth and Summer, more or less happily married in Newport, living in their old neighborhood with their kids, could be one or two starting out as freshmen at Harbor High School. I'm here Obviously, for it. A lot of plot mm. possibilities from there. I, I'm, I'm here for it if for no other reason than I would love to see Seth Cohen's reaction to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> Actually, yeah, we'll talk about that because they kind of get into that in the episodes that we're covering mm-hmm. uh, today. I feel like that would be fascinating. Yeah, but also just the idea of the show. I, I feel like Ryan would be like the Olsen twins in the Fuller House reboot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they just—they were just like, "Fuck it, I'm not doing it," and they just keep making reference to them. But she never actually showed. Oh, and they all the like. I—I I did like. I only watched the first episode of Fuller House, but Bob Saget goes, "Yeah, it's too bad your sister, um, you, whatever, Mich- your sister Michelle, Michelle has a." blossoming fashion career and doesn't have time to come hang out with us and then the whole cast like stared at the screen oh yeah it was it was actually really awesome ryan's like a world famous architect that's too famous for the co they could write him into like a villain role that could be pretty great actually. oh yeah or like uh, ryan's kid that he like adopted out of the street like has to go back and be with sandy and seth Actually, it's not bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah, like Ryan's bringing in street cats, just like Chelsea. Josh Schwartz, our emails are open. So the most interesting part to me about this whole thing is if they did a reboot, um, they would have to do... I feel like there would still be a big focus on the music. And we did a music episode about uh, music of the OC a couple weeks ago. And I just... I feel like what... Do you guys have any... If you just name something off the top of your head, is there like a band or a song that you feel like would vibe hard with the OC like in 2021 or 2022? Driver's License. Driver's license. And I, think I, we thought Heim. I thought Heim would be a good oh. like Heim would be on the soundtrack. <laughs> that would be awesome. The other uh, thing that Chelsea alluded to a second ago is that um, allegedly, if you look at Instagram, we talked we talked we we talked about this on the music episode. We kind of uncovered that Rachel Bilson and Melinda Clark are like hanging out, and now the rumor is they are starting a podcast, an, an OC related podcast. Man, so it's Summer and Julie chat and OC content, I guess. I don't know what exactly they're doing. Well, I'm, I'm really watching. excited about that because I think it's going to give us a nice halo effect. I sure hope so. I hope people are searching for the OC and they find us instead. But uh, I, I could <laughs> yeah. see it going. It could be like that um, Scrubs podcast that Zach Braff does, which yeah. is like really not that good, honestly. Like It's him and Donald Faison talking about Scrubs, and I tried to listen to it, and I just wasn't that into it. There are very few shows like that, I feel like, that do it well. I feel like I was disappointed by Scrubs, kind of like you were. I feel like Office Ladies uh, mm-hmm. does it really well, and then um, West Wing Weekly did it really well, I thought. but Who was in West Wing Weekly? It's Joshua Molina, and I can't remember who the other person is. I don't think the other person is on the OC, or not the OC, on West Wing. Um, but I know that Josh Molina does it. And he was the guy that took over for Sam Seaborn um, in Series 5. Excuse me, Season 5. Sorry. I love that you say Series. That's very so, British of you. Sorry, new New I, Dylan. New yeah. New Dylan's from the UK. <laughs> yes, well, yes. Well, I'm just thinking, like, whenever I watch live podcasts, like, I, I have two different RuPaul's that I listen to. Um, during, whenever Westworld is on, I have the Westworld episode, and then I have the, like, you know listener comments they kind of work through and i have two different ones like that so i listen to four fucking hours of westworld content in addition to westworld 
Man. So I don't know. I mean, I think that once people get back into the OC groove, they might be like, I can't stop at one episode a week. I want more. And then maybe they'll discover us. I, I, I truly I truly think that shows like this potential OC podcast that they're going to do wouldn't necessarily be a rewatch. I've also seen stars of shows go on and do like a whole bunch of interviews with the cast and crew um, about mm. the show. They've also done behind the scenes kind of stuff. There's an Outlander podcast that does that. And that hopefully is kind of the direction they're going to go in just because the market is fairly saturated with just these fans rewatching. And so they could offer something different, but I could mm. be wrong. And I just learned what the halo effect was from Chelsea. And so I'm hoping that we get a halo effect as well. I'm, ho- See, for, I'm ha- hoping we're caught in the Corona of the, uh, of the OC. That's why I'm the CEO of the podcast. The halo effect is something that I talk about a lot in my marketing services. You're so. the money. I'm the face. Ryan is the actual heart. That's that's how we do it. That's right. <laughs> Ryan is the actual substance. Yeah, like right. me and you are just bopping around. Like Ryan is the one who provides structure and like says good jokes and stuff. We're the whipped cream, but he's the actual pie. He's like the cake. I feel like if I just, uh, I feel like I could let this go for an hour and you guys would keep going. About no. different, diff- different, different foods that you think that I, I love. No, it, it is like no, Ryan great. is the cake. I'm like the filling in between the layers of cake. And then Dylan is like the frosting on top that you kind of scrape off. Um, I will also just say that quickly, we're talking about the uh, the reboot. I heard a podcast recently with Adam Brody where he talked about how he didn't want to do a reboot. Like they brought yeah. it up to him and he was just like, no. So I don't know if he's involved. I don't know if it's going to happen at all. I was just think that's a rumor that's out there. Mm-hmm. But I heard Adam Brody on that podcast and he was talking about um, this new movie that he acted and produced in called The Kid Detective. And when we had our big snowstorm a couple weeks ago, remember we're recording this on March 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched The Kid Detective and it's like really fucking good. It was a great movie. Shout out to Adam Brody, still making good movies. My dad that's texted impressive. me about that show because kind of like Ryan said, Chelsea, I think you've kind of experienced the same thing that by virtue of putting ourselves out there as OC people, we've kind of become like the trash receptacle for all OC news. Um, yep. So I'll, I'll randomly get texts from my dad, who I believe is the real life Sandy Cohen and it'll just be a picture of something Adam Brody is doing, and it's just one note, and it says, here's more Seth hate fodder for the podcast. And so little oh, does yeah. he know, I love Seth Cohen. I think that he is under uh, underestimated, and I think that he is misinterpreted, and I can't wait to talk about how great he was in these two episodes. Wow. New, new Dylan is coming in too hot. I don't like this. Okay. Yeah, especially um, with these episodes. You're going to talk about how Seth Oh, yeah, is dude. Good. He was the worst in these episodes, and I cannot— re- He really is. He, you can't, he can't be redeemed in these episodes. So just as oh, a reminder to the listeners, we are only doing two episodes a week, uh, two episodes of the OC a week, which would put us on like a 12-week 12, 12 schedule. Is that right, Dylan? Yes. Uh, so for the next 12 weeks, every Wednesday, I think we don't have any breaks planned, so every, mm-hmm. every Wednesday for the next 12 weeks, we'll be here talking two episodes of the OC— Starting uh, as long as you guys are cool, you want to get into it? Let's do it. Yeah, let's starting do it. with season two, episode one. It's called The Distance, and it features Sandy Cohen on screen for 12 minutes and 49 seconds. Dylan, tell me about The Distance. The Distance originally aired on November 4th, 2004, which is very strange to me that it would air that late. 
uh, to 8.56 million viewers. And it was written by, I can hear the audience yelling, yes, Josh Schwartz, because it was a season premiere. Let's do like a very, very brief, What? What? where do we leave off? Where do we leave everyone off? Um, Seth, Seth left. He sailed away. Mm-hmm. Ryan uh, went to live with Teresa and Chino and work construction. Mm-hmm. Um, and and help raise her baby. Because Teresa is pregnant and I think was left off. We don't know who the father is. Teresa's pregnant. It could be Ryan's, but he made the decision to go stay with her and be a dad or to this child, apparently. Um, Sandy and Kirsten are are empty nesters now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have no one in their house and we'll f- figure out what's going on with them. Um, here's the thing that I kind of forgot about. So Tate and Haley are together now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how we left off on that season. And Caleb and Julie are married they moved into this huge house and they bribed Marissa into living with them in this huge house. The thing I kind of forgot about, and again, we're already back to where we were in season one, where I get so confused about some of these things. It's like, what the fuck is going on with Caleb? What do we, where do we leave Caleb in season one? Because this season starts with him like already in legal trouble. And did they explain it in season one? What was happening? Well, I do think there was some discussion of like assets or whatever. And I I do remember some kind of conversation between Sandy and Caleb being like, you're going to get married without disclosing any of this. Okay. yeah, Whatever. I mean, let's be real. None of us are like paying attention to Caleb. Like, (laughs) you know, we'll do that on our second rewatch and our second rewatch podcast. Yeah, Yeah, we'll do it. We're keeping up with Caleb Nickel. We'll do that. 2025. Yeah. All right. All right. Chelsea, take it away. Take it away. Um, We start with uh, Sandy and Kirsten. They've established that Seth is still gone and they're renovating their house, which I thought, oh, that's kind of an interesting parallel because their house is, you know, torn apart with Ryan and Seth not being there, but their house is also literally torn apart in the moment. Dang. Two Chelsea is on fire. New Chelsea. I know. I'm here for the. I'm here for the the deep takes, the thesis, the motifs. I'm here for them. A beret just appeared on her head, and she has a long stem cigarette holder. This is insanity. Yes. Deep Crazy. takes, with Chelsea. I love that. I, it, it's de- you know, I, I expect you all to snap now whenever I say something cool. Good point. Good point. Um. So Kirsten is. You know, everything is feeling very unsettled, unfamiliar, and uncomfortable. Kirsten is sick to death of Sandy's long leash style parenting. Um, you know, she even gives them some kind of like, I'm sick of your hippie bullshit. Like the hippie you parenting know. psychobabble. Psychobabble. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Those are the exact words. But we find out that Seth has been staying with Luke and Luke's dad in Portland. And that's Kirsten right. Calls him and makes a motherly plea to get him to come home. And Seth is just a massive prick to her. And it's he really so dismissive. Is. And it's just he like, really is. well, is Ryan back? Oh, nope. I'm gonna come in then. So I don't know. How did we? How did we feel about that that little scene? Seth is trying so hard to act like he, he and Ryan are in the same position. Like Ryan had to leave, yeah. so I also had to leave too. It's like no, you didn't, man. You didn't have to leave. But like yeah. I just, I don't, I just, I don't like him. I can't like him. I'm sorry. I know Dylan. He's your spirit animal. I just can't get with it right now. He well, so, okay, yeah. and I know. So my thing for season two. Um, or I guess later season one is going to be like Ryan's thing with Anna at Oliver's party. But I keep saying this, like even say Ryan did just totally disappear. Seth, Seth life was the exact dream scenario that he pictured for himself. Yes. A year prior, he got everything he wanted and he was still just like, Oh, Ryan's gone. I'm leaving. 
Like it made he no always, sense. But that's the problem is he always gets everything that he wants, and that's why he's being such a bitch now. It's because he's like, the, like for once he's not getting something that he wants, and he's like throwing a tantrum about it because that's how spoiled he is. Anyway, we don't have to get into yeah. that too much. We already had an episode about the that. The only yeah. thing that I want to say about this situation at home is so I I was watching these episodes with Leslie, and we had just recently watched these, and we're now watching them again, and we still could not believe how insane the construction workers were in the house the, the, where Sandy's like, the neighbors are calling my house the manhole and they're all sweaty. It's like a hot boy summer construction. <laughs> and dude, there were so many OSHA violations. No one was wearing a hard hat. In a world of OSHA violation. It was wonderful <laughs> to look at kind of that construction site versus Ryan's. They're doing things safely in Chino. I don't know what they're doing in the Cohen's house. Yeah, they're wearing work boots and like, mm-hmm. you know, Chino's a very different scene. Oh yeah, um, I fully expect your outfit. I fully expect your outfit of the episode to be like one of the shirtless construction guys. <laughs> well, almost. The DJ. That, that really is not okay. too far from what it actually is. Oh. Um, next scene, they cut to Marissa and Summer. Um, they show them kind of lounging by the pool in this like palatial mansion. Like it, it's one of those houses that's just absurd. Like it does not look like a house. It looks absurd. Like a, Absurd. First one of season two, baby. (laughs) Woo! Eight-minute abs. It looks like a resort like that overlooks the beach. It doesn't look like a house. Um, It really does look better than the hotel that they filmed The Bachelor at during quarantine, where they had an entire entire production studio, and they couldn't get close to this Caleb Nichol estate. So they're they're laying there. um, You know, they're kind of talking casually. Um, Summer obviously is upset. Um, You know, she... She kind of does the thing where she's like, oh, you know, built like a beanpole, like sarcastic all the time. Like she doesn't even want to say Seth's name out loud. She is so um, funny in this scene. She's freaking adorable. She um, becomes my favorite character for the rest of the series starting now. You get, that is crazy yeah. because I wrote in my note right after this that I said, I realized that from this moment until the very end of the series, Summer is completely without flaw. Like yeah, really, really she becomes without flaw after the second disc. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Also, Taylor Townsend does become my favorite, but Summer is like right there with her for the rest of this entire series. This is good Summer for for the rest of forever now. She has that amazing the the amazing line about how you know she's making all of these changes, and then she has the line where she doesn't cry over bitches on boats. That's right. That is such I respect a good it. summer. Also, they talked a lot about cardio bar here, and I don't know what cardio bar is. Chelsea, can you tell me? What is it? Um, I don't. I was probably too young, and Oklahoma probably wasn't privy to um like designer <laughs> workout classes at that point. No. But I'm sure it's like you know whatever the cycle bar or the pure bar or whatever it was at the time or the Orange Theory. Mm-hmm. Um. But she does kind of make reference to Marissa not taking care of herself. Um, she's you know, drunk she's like, and she's you, not eating. She's drunk and she goes, you've been looking really thin lately. And I think that was kind of a nod to, I, I, I vaguely remember like the tabloids, tabloids. being like, yeah. you know, Marissa, like, or whatever, Misha Barton isn't eating or whatever. And she was dating that guy that was best friends with Paris Hilton, that kind of Stop, sweaty bear Stavros? guy. No, not, not Stavros. I think it was Brandon something. Hmm. The one who, the-, the one who called Lindsay Lohan a fire crotch. Friend of the podcast, Misha Barton. Friend yeah, of the friend pod. of the pod. Friend of the pod. I love you, Misha. Um, but she is drinking. Um, you know, Summer's like, wow, did you put motor oil in this drink? It is coming in. Newport, Newport iced tea, right? Isn't that what she called it? Yes. We'll have those at our first live event. We'll make Newport iced teas for ourselves. 
Um, in this moment, they introduce a lawn guy that um, Marissa barely notices, but Summer's like, whoa. I mean, the man looks like he's photoshopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, could we call that uh, Chekhov's Bay? I, I, I Chekhov's abs. abs. <laughs> Chekhov's abs. I, my, my favorite abs look is it's a look that gets repeated in this episode, but it's like the theme of the episode is jacked guys wearing really baggy cargo shorts. And you see see DJ wearing them. It's just ridiculous. It was probably before the time when guys realized, like, oh, girls notice when you don't do your leg day. Like, it it was, like, right at that peak time where all they thought about were the chest and muscles and, like, arms and stuff. That's right. Um, Luke got out of the show just in time. Yeah, he's too So, speaking of shirtless dudes, which literally every single scene so far has had a shirtless dude in it. Um, we, we move on to Ryan working construction and living with Teresa. So she's, he driving, is, she's still driving her weird car. It's so weird. It's her car. <laughs> um, Ryan is living this very serious adult life. He is waking up. Uh, Teresa is making him um, lunches. He's he's waking up. What an adult! Wow. Oh no, oh, sorry, I said that wrong. He's like, I would just mean like they're waking up in bed, just like two old married people. Then he has to go to yeah. work. He has to eat lunch out of a brown paper sack. He has to work all day. He has to come home. Like Teresa hey, tries hey, to be like, to. hey, let's do something fun tonight. Let's shoot pool. Yeah, yeah that's so old school. Um, I will just say that, like, I forgot that they never officially got back together, and I don't think they are together. He only kisses her on the cheek in this episode. Oh. He kisses her twice on the cheek, and then whenever he catches up with Marissa later in, in episode two, he he says like, "No, no, no, it wasn't like that." So I don't think they're like together, together. No, but that okay. So I was thinking about that because Alex kind of had that same take, but I'm like, no, you come home to be some. You're living with a man. You're sleeping in his bed, and he's like, "I've come home to be the baby's father." Like that means that you're together. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like you're not just yeah. like best friends who sleep in the same bed. And yeah, y- you know what I mean. Like, I also great point. Great point. For how weird this is, though, I you got to admit that Teresa is being so nice. Like she's, she's trying, trying so hard. Like I peeled your orange for you. It's like it makes me feel sorry, like sad for her that I know what Ryan is going to ultimately do, but she's just trying so hard. I feel like she's happy for the first time in a long time because she's with Ryan. Who I think she's... she's happy. She seems very unhappy. Yeah. I mean, like I she's... think she's, se- I think she seems like she was really happy and excited and she's very disappointed and hurt that she can tell that Ryan's like fucking miserable. See, yes, that's exactly agreed. what I was saying, except she said it better. So, that's why she's Uh-oh. the leader of the podcast. That's why you're. That's why you're expendable. <laughs> um, but you know they kind of show him like obviously he's living. Him and Teresa are very strained and awkward. You know, their her idea of a fun night is let's go shoot pool. With if Alex suggested that as a fun night, I would divorce him. There'd be some issues. I oh goodness, that's, uh, ooh, like sorry, won't, won't even won't even go down there. Go down there. But I guess it's kind of silly because the new house we're building, he's building a special room just for a pool table. So I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe it hit too close to home and that's why I was so deeply yeah, offended it's by it. Personal. It's very that's... personal. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, we Trigger have to talk about the montage where they play that You Got Me All Wrong song and they kind of show his very monotonous, suddenly very serious adult mm-hmm. life. Um, and he sees that kind of ghost of himself. Like, what what kinds of emotions did that make you guys feel? Ooh, I like the way you phrase that question. 
I just knew that it wasn't going to be this way. Like, I feel like we, the audience, is in the same position as the characters, which is we need our core four together living in Ren Ryan, living in the pool house and living with the Coens. Like, we need that just as much as they need that. So you just, you had a feeling that, like, okay, I'm going to give them an episode or two to figure it out to get things back to quote unquote normal. Yeah, like the status quo or whatever. Yeah. But um, maybe maybe I'm wrong or maybe it's just me. But I always just felt like once you like move in with a significant other, like a lot of kind of like the innocence that you had is gone. And I don't mean this in like a sexual way or whatever, but just like once you play house with someone that's incredibly intimate. Yeah. Like I remember I was uh, kind of vibing and, you know, talking to this guy in college and I'd found out that he had, um, you know, he's like a couple years older than me, but I found out he had lived like his junior year with his girlfriend. And I was kind of like, oh, mm, I don't, mm. not really into you anymore, which I don't do you. I mean, obviously at this age, it's different because mm. now we're all in our thirties, but as a fucking 17 year old, I mean, how did you guys feel about that? The problem is, and I mean, this is one of my mini soapboxes. I, I mean, I'm a, I like to think of myself as a really liberal dude, but when it comes to stuff like that, like living together, I mm-hmm. get really conservative about it because that complicates things so much. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I was working in like the prosecutor's office and things like that, in all of these domestic cases, you have this issue where, well, I'm living with my boyfriend, I'm living with my girlfriend, and it's so much harder to break up with someone or to move on or to, you know, develop your own personal identity when it's so closely tied to someone else. And I think that's what we see in that montage. We see Ryan who, you know, we've gotten to know him as Ryan Atwood. He has these characteristics. He's broody. He's blah, blah, blah. He's this. But what we see is that by virtue of kind of fitting into this new mold and living with Teresa, we're seeing that kind of individuality is going away and he's losing that part of himself. And he's kind of like Chelsea said, walking like a ghost of his former self. And, um, and I, I feel like they handle that really well in the show, you know, for as much crap as we give the show, they handle big topics like this really well. A lot of the time of the danger that comes with that. And the uncertainty that comes with that and kind of what that can do. Like the finality yeah. of it almost. Yes. Um, it would just be so strange to have that kind of finality about your life at the age of 17. Yeah. Um, so actually the outfit of the day, you guys are going to laugh. It was actually the mini Ryan in his wife, Peter, in his jeans. <laughs> I had a note about that. Just like the most iconic outfit. Like you had to shout it out. Oh, yeah. I love this. That was. Oh my God. We're back. We're back, baby. Hashtag iconic. Wow. I will also say, now that we're talking about Ryan in the scene, like he looks great. I I saw him and I was like, damn, Ryan's looking good. The hair. I I love the haircut. The The, stubble. Yeah, like the stubble. Yeah, he's looking good. The stubble is a good move. This is Um, the big episode. Before we move on from this scene. Uh, Sandy does ask Ryan to go to Portland, help him get Seth home. And what's so crazy is Sandy refers to Luke as a golden retriever. Oh, and now I'm yes. like, this is where we got that from. Had to, it had to have leaked into our brain somewhere from here. Yeah, I, I think it had to have come from here. And I don't know if, if you're going to talk about this or if you want to talk about this right now, since we're talking about Ryan and Sandy and the conundrum of going to Portland or not going to Portland and all that. But. I noticed something that I never thought I would notice, and I didn't think I would ever say this, especially on this podcast, but I have a lot in common with Marissa Cooper in these early episodes. I agree. Because 
she and I both like to call Ryan just to listen to him breathing at night. Oh. But your Ryan is me and her Ryan is Ryan Atwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's so crazy. So I feel for Marissa in these episodes. Um, Marissa sitting on the sat on the ocean deck, like calling and they just had that moment together. That actually kind of gave me cold chills because it's like, I mean, I feel like that's something that everyone can relate to. Everyone's kind of had a relationship end that it didn't really end because they like didn't want to be, you didn't not want to be together anymore. It was mm-hmm. like that scene that you're talking cool. about with her sitting at, at the, I guess the boardwalk, the beach, whatever, which becomes like a more permanent thing in season three. Um, when we did our music episode of Cohen's a couple weeks ago, I talked about on uh, Mix 2, there was that song called um, Eastern Glow by this band called The Album Leaf. And I was mm-hmm. like, I think yeah. it's my least favorite song on the mix. But I'm doing an about face because they played that. That's they played that song during that scene where she's sitting there trying to call Ryan. That's the scene that's mm-hmm. being played. It's just like a very droning beat. Um, they don't even put the lyrics. I don't think they use the lyrics in in the show at all. But like, I was like, damn, that's a great moment. So that's why it's mm-hmm. the, for me, it's the music moment of the episode. That was a oh, really man. good, really good one. Um, I'm gonna skim through um some of the other like less important storylines just so we can kind of hit the most important ones. Um, Julie and Caleb are married and living in their castle. Julie is very Julieing, like she's basically the exact same character she was when we that we met her in the pilot, just charging up a storm, talking about this, you know, China, the bald pony, the ongoing saga of China. <laughs> and Caitlin, Caitlin's um, still just hanging around. Apparently, we don't see her anymore, but she's still around. Yeah, they're still discussing her. Um, Caleb is paranoid, like someone who's hopped up on too much coke. I mean, he is freaking out. Um, Seth meets with Sandy in the parking garage about a suspicion. Co- and the uh, only Caleb. funny thing about that scene, Caleb, Caleb, yeah. Caleb assignment, sorry, meets with Sandy, but he kind of ruminates about Seth being like, he's kind of like, well, he's upset that his best friend moved away. So he ran away with another guy and his gay dad. Yeah, his, his best which, friend leaves. Like, so he <laughs> runs off with another boy and his gay dad. I think that's what Caleb says to Sandy. Yeah, yeah, which like it, it, I think it, it the joke still works because Caleb's an old man. But like if someone else said it, it would be kind of like hey. cancel Caleb. Um, yeah, <laughs> but like whatever. It, you know, if you're like an a, a, over seventy, people are like whatever. It's yeah. too late. Um, <laughs> if you're hearing this, it's too late. Just die. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll skip forward to uh, Sandy visiting Seth and Luke's family. Yes. And Seth, of course, is a total brat. Mm-hmm. They um, are sitting at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. Sandy, I mean, Sandy gives us a great speech. And I'll let you, one of you guys cover it because you guys have such strong opinions about this. Okay. there. Before we get to the speech, there are a couple Seth-related things that really, it caused me to take notes, which... I'm not sure if you all felt this way, but, you know, my whole thing with Seth is just it's hard to believe that he's an actual nerd. And I feel like seeing him in Portland interacting with all of these different people and Luke and like high fiving people and making jokes like it's so hard to look at him as a traditional nerd now. And I think at one point, actually, he uh, he makes some joke about if you see any more naked fat guys, you know, give me a call and let me know. And like there's some like. I, I don't know which girl says it, but as they're walking off, one of the girls goes, ha, 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 he's so funny mm-hmm. about Seth. And I just, it's hard to believe even, like more so now that he's actually a nerd when he's like so naturally social and making all these new friends. And I also think Luke has one of his best lines in this one where he walks up and um, Seth is, of course, drawing what we know will become one of the characters in Atomic County. 
and he go, you know, it's it's obviously summer, and Luke says, "Man, you've got some willpower because she's got a killer rack." <laughs> referring to his drawing. Yes, Luke. So Luke's yes. just being Luke. I want to talk I about that scene him. actually. So Luke has a girlfriend now, and I just want to say, shout out to Luke. This is the last yes. time we're going to see him, I think. So shout out to Luke. <laughs> yes. He's got a hot new girlfriend now. He's living his best life in Portland. Uh, we met his girlfriend, who has no name apparently, and her her friend's name is Jane. Because Luke tells Seth, like, you need to close on Jane before summer is up or something. And Seth's just like, nah. But uh, shout out to Luke. He's like, "Eh, I'm going to draw pictures of the girl that I chose to leave, even though I've been wanting her since I was six. Am I reading too much into this? Or I I feel like I am reading too much into this. But the fact that, you know, you got to close on this before summer's over. All the mentions about summer almost being over within the context of Seth. Mm, it reminds me so... I wouldn't like, have thought of that. I mean, because this is so stupid and I'm sorry, but there's a short story <laughs> by Nathaniel Hawthorne called Young Goodman Brown about a, a, a guy who allegedly sees like a satanic ritual in the woods and his wife, her name is Faith. And so throughout the entire book, he's he's lost his wife. And so he's like, oh my gosh, Faith is gone. I've lost my faith. And I almost get, I'm not comparing Josh Schwartz to Nathaniel Hawthorne, but I feel like that through line is kind of a really nice, subtle point that the fact that summer is ending is something that is causing a lot of stress for Seth being in Portland. Also, so his setup is just living with Luke and his dad. And I guess the two brothers of Luke stayed in Newport with his mom, I guess, because Mm -hmm. we see them later in season four. Um, so mm-hmm. it's Luke and his dad and Seth all living in this really nice house in Portland. And I guess Luke and Seth are working together as like sail instructors. I guess that's kind of the thing they're trying to get us to. Believe. I didn't know Seth was into sail or not Seth. I didn't know that Luke was into sailing. So the man contains multitudes and I feel like we're just getting to know him. And so it's a sad Rip, episode. too soon, gone too soon. Luke, we'll miss you every day. <laughs> well, that's kind of a lot to ask of Luke's dad. Also like Seth's a minor is, is Seth now Luke's, dad's adopted son like yeah. what the fuck it's a lot of yeah. kids running away from their parents to new parents it's tough stuff yeah does, does like sandy and kirsten have to give them like child support like what the fuck's going on i uh but so, okay seth versus sandy at the dinner table wait do I, oh yeah sandy at the dinner table he gives that speech um did we talk about no, that we, we didn't we, we i no. i derailed us because sorry. i'm new dylan sorry ryan and that's what i do <laughs> So, Ryan, I'll kind of let you cover it, but all I got to say, the only thing I want to say about it is I, I feel like I was sitting there giving points to each side, and for the longest time, I still think Sandy won that argument because he's Sandy, but, I mean, Seth did make some pretty compelling points um, about his basis for leaving and why he was justified in doing it, but, I mean, what were your thoughts? I don't agree with you. I don't know what his points are. His points were that, like, I hate Orange County. I never want to go back to Orange County. And it's like, okay, then why did you then? I just I, I still can't wrap my head around the fact and this is through the entire episode that Ryan, mm-hmm. who I actually really like more in season two, just based on these first two episodes, he's already funnier and more personable mm-hmm. and just kind of more less season one broody and more season two fun. Yeah. yeah, but I still have a hard time wrapping my head around just the fact that Ryan, who to me is just kind of like an, a pretty average, boring dude. <laughs> Mm-hmm. is his his presence is so powerful that like it caused seth to move away because he's not going to be there anymore and like but even yeah the thing with Teresa and marissa it's like everyone just wants ryan and i'm like i don't under- i guess he's just got one of those things that just draws people in mm-hmm. but i don't 
I just don't, I don't see well, it. Well, they do a very poor job of exemplifying that, and we'll get to it in the next episode, but really we don't know much about Ryan other than he's brooding, he communicates silently with looks, and he's from Chino, and he's really protective over Marissa. We don't know anything else about him. Yeah. So in the next episode, we'll get to it. I think they do a good job kind of building, tr- trying to add some flavor to his personality, which is good. Yeah. Um. But I mean, it's just stupid. You ask any high schooler, like, how do you like Tulsa? And they're going to say, I hate Tulsa. I can't wait to leave. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's like the dumbest reason I've ever heard. It's just, it's stupid. Um, But I wanted to move on to the next scene because it's actually literally my favorite scene in the entire show. (laughs) And all of the OC. I love it. Is marissa's scream <laughs> so she's yeah. she's listening to something on her ipod and i hypothesized that it's like it was like slipknot or something oh, wow. to get her that to get her that like rage out possibly the same puddle of mud song that molly played for oliver because if you even if you watch the scene if you watch the scene where she screams if you watch the scene where she screams it looks like it could be like a music video of like someone just like throwing down on a mosh pit is what it yes. reminded me of yes i <laughs> scream more of a holler like it was like a tarzan yeah. like she was using like 70 percent the tar pit yeah, yeah she was using like 70 percent of her total like vocal power it was like not even a full scream it was just kind of like a uh... Julie calls her the spawn of Chucky and, Chucky Keith, and Moon. Keith Moon, which is so niche. Perfect. Dude, it's Chucky so and Keith Moon are both like peak Julie 70s references. <laughs> I love that. Oh, gosh. oh my God. No, I wrote it was like when Fred Flintstone fell into the tar pit. It was a Tarzan <laughs> hauler. <laughs> there was big Cartman energy. And I said it sounded like a Papa Roach kind of scream. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. I, I like through the magic of podcasting. We will have inserted Marissa's scream right here. A bunch of times. So many times. <laughs> and so we you all, that's going to be. Ryan, can you like play some music and put her scream over it? I'll see what I can do. You just heard a sample of DJ Ryan Drake, his new hit song, Chucky and Keith Moon. Gosh. So I, um, I, I now that everyone's laughing and happy, I want to tell you all you something. Kill, you want to kill the No, vibe? no. Okay. I want to ride the wave of this and, okay. and tell you all something. I had a note about, about Seth misinterpreting what a Jedi mind trick was when he was talking to Sandy. Oh, my God. But I have, the, an it. I have an announcement. I have an announcement for season two. I am changing Comic Book Minute, and I am only going to talk about comic books if they're specifically mentioned or referred to in some way in the episode. No more of this, it's on the bed, it's on the table. Mm. This is the new Comic Book Minute, and so it's only going to be if it's okay. specifically mentioned. So I just wanted to share that with you all. So all you comic literally, book Literally, that was the meme. That was the same meme. that Like, literally, nobody nobody said a word. Dill goes, listen, guys, I'm changing Comic Book Minute. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the energy I like to bring. I create yeah. the problem so I can solve it. 
So yeah, Marissa freaks out. Her mom and are yelling. Her and her mom are. Her mom's asking her like, "What's wrong with you?" And Marissa fucking loses her shit. The look on Julie's she throws face. Throws the lounger in the pool. Yeah. So there's a couple. There's a few cutbacks between Julie and Marissa back and forth. And the first cut to Julie, her face is so just like she looks like the emoji with like the shocked face. Like it looks. It was so good. And then and Marissa mid scream still manages to pick up some of the pool furniture and toss it in the pool which is just great and stuff. she walks off angrily great acting yes um i'll breeze through a couple other kind of short uh scenes that were cute um summer returns all set stuff to kirsten and kirsten's kind of like i understand why i'm talking about that i think this is part of the reason we love summer from here on out is because she mentions going to therapy and i was like you know what summer's in therapy now for the rest of like shout out to her Mm -hmm. yes she's got her shit together she also mentions in this and the next episode the uh uh law of attraction which i've got very into in 2020 when we were locked up in our house i got so deep into Law of attraction and high vibrations. I just fucking, I understood what she was saying completely. And I never even considered that before when I watched this show. So shout out to Summer and the law of attraction. I'm I'm vibrating high because of her. I love that. I'm trying to slow down all your vibrations on this podcast. No, no, you're goal. doing a bad job. <laughs> I am? That means that means I'm keep making you happy. That's great. I um, I, Maybe you'll talk about the adult stuff, but there's really only one adult thing that I want to bring up. Can I say what? Can I say what my note is for what I know what you're going to say? My note just yes. said Tate Seacrest. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I just my note says Tate's stubble. Oh my god! Rate my Tate ten out of ten. Yeah, he's clearly like he arrives on the scene. He has stubble. He has long hair. He has an unbuttoned shirt. He's living his best mm-hmm. life. Or we know he's on a boat. I just want to sit. Like, we know he's with Haley. Listen to Yacht Him Rock. and Julie, like Julie kind of ex- explains like what's going on. And like them two getting along is such a delight. Like we got a taste of this towards the end of last season, mm-hmm. but they have such great chemistry. They like playfully barb at each other and it's really funny. Um, he makes some joke about Haley being limber and Julie's like, yeah, not so much with Caleb. And it's yeah. it's really funny and adorable and you can kind of see why they fell Julie, in love. So I, I think that Julie cool. is like secretly the funniest character on the show. She is our yeah. she mm-hmm. is uh she is their Chelsea. <laughs> yes. Oh you are yeah. the Julie Cooper of this podcast. That's right. And all the good only the good well, stuff. Oh I hope to have less Less husbands, hopefully. Yeah. But, uh, Summer does take her stuff back to uh, Seth's house, and we got an updated poster watch in Seth's room. He has a poster. He has two posters for Missing Link Records, which is a record label that restarted during that year. Uh, hmm. There is a poster for a band, for the Queers, which is the band, and for Barker, big poster for Barker Surfboards. I don't know if they paid for that or not, but it was a big, big poster for them. I uh, I thought it was interesting that it looked like Seth let her let summer borrow his London calling clash album. Excellent album, by the way, but I don't, I didn't think that summer had a record player um, in her room. So I wasn't really sure what the purpose of that was other than to just show that Seth remember guys, Seth listens to vinyl and, and emo music and nerdy music. Um, So just remember that. First of all, the clash that haven't really come across to me as like nerd music, but also the idea of summer listening to the clash alone (laughs) while she's trying to get over Seth makes me very happy. I love it. Um, Ryan, um, you know, kind of ruminates over like, should I go to Portland? He's leaning towards yes. And like Teresa has feelings about it. Um, I wrote a joke in my um, like notes that just said, you know, Teresa's kind of upbeat for ruining Ryan's life. Which, yes, yeah. that is an unfair thing to say. Like, Ryan Ryan just dealt with this all wrong. Yes. Like, Ryan, I mean, they are kids. They are 17. It's a ridiculous thing for them to just start their adult life 
Um, you know, they needed help. They needed support in some way. Um, they needed to plan for their futures. Um, but, you know, he's kind of like, oh, I kind of left things a mess. Like, I need to go. And she's kind of like, oh, well, I thought you, you know, wanted he to be said I, He said I left Newport to make life easier for everyone. And then she said I thought you left Newport because we're having a kid, basically, which I agree with her in that situation. Yeah, I, I'm too Yeah, I totally there. agree with her in that moment. She also said yeah. something bizarre to me that I listened to like three times to make sure I heard it correctly. <laughs> and I'll put the audio in here because it just threw me for a loop. She was talking about the the appointment that she had to go to, and Ryan forgot she had a, a baby doctor appointment, and that's a whole thing. But whatever. Um, but she goes, "Oh, it's nothing. It's just it's just hanging out and listening to old Muzak." And I was like, "Did she say Muzak?" Muzak? I, was like, I thought that I was like, "Did she say Muzak?" And I listened to it three more times. She definitely says Muzak. It'll be a lot of sitting around, reading old TV guides, listening to bad Muzak. So the reason she said Muzak is because Muzak is actually a specific brand of background music that's played in like retail stores and like doctor's offices, kind of that generic royalty-free weird. Wait, are you being serious? Yeah. I thought you were joking. Yeah, no, hundred percent. First of all, I love that you also caught on that she said that. Secondly, I hate that you ruined it for me because I thought she just mispronounced music. Thirdly, <laughs> thirdly, that's like a, a very impressive thing that we just uncovered on this episode that I've never even thought of noticed before. Yeah, that's really cool. And I'm I'm notorious for going down Wikipedia rabbit holes, but that's something I never would have touched on. There so was, now I know something. Okay, there was one more thing subtitle-wise that I had to bring up because it was so strange. And I, I think it was in this episode. I didn't write it down, but since we're talking about this at one point, whenever we see Marissa's new car or her car, I think there's a compliment like, man, that's a nice car. And her line in the show is, yeah, it's my getaway car or it's a getaway car. But the subtitle says it's a bribe. So I don't know Ooh, what that means. Interesting. But yeah, I was like Robert Langdon Da Vinci coding that <laughs> stuff. I don't know what it means. Mm. But... Well. Um, so the rest of the episode is pretty much Ryan arriving to Portland and kind of everything is focused on there from then on. So of course they get there, they say they're, you know, welcome, hellos, like, you know, him and Luke have a nice moment where they hug and, um, you know, Ryan knows his mission there is to get Seth to go home. But, you know, I didn't think that Ryan really pressed Seth at all. Like Ryan was kind of like, so what are you doing? Like there, there was no kind of reasoning there was no kind of Ryan being in, like Ryan just gets he gets such little dialogue, you know, he really doesn't have any eloquent things to say for most of the series. But, you know, he's kind of you know, like this would be a great time to say, look, man, I am out of the parental nest and it fucking sucks. I have to work a construction job every day. You know, like this is not like you have the good life go back like he didn't make any pleas like that you know like the very a uh, john mellencamp like hold on to 16 as long as you can like that would have been a great time for that speech and he doesn't do it he kind of just grunts at him he's kind of like mm, i feel like that's well. exactly what seth needed though because i i think i think at one point you think? whenever whenever sandy goes to visit um ryan at the construction site i think at one point he refers to them as the un, as an unbeatable combination, which of course is a throwback from the pilot XO, episode, XO. Mm -hmm. and um and it's a it's also a throwback to something I think that Anna says at one point. Um, but it, I, I think that you know Sandy goes in first and kind of does all the heavy lifting, and then Ryan shows up as kind of like the you know the, the pinch hitter and gets everything done. But we also need to not forget 
that Ryan, any plan that he had to actually give a big speech was kind of derailed when Teresa calls and says, I, mm-hmm. I had a miscarriage. I, it, I, it's not going to happen and we're not going to have the baby. And then like five seconds later, we find out that it's a lie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's just kind of trying to do the right thing. But I feel like, I feel like, you know, Seth is a person who likes everyone to pay attention to him. And so I think that by not really forcing him to do anything, Ryan kind of sort of got him to do something, if that makes sense. That's weirdly a good way of putting it. I was just going to say that we, when we get into the next episode and Summer has a line at the end where she basically says, you only want what you can't have. And so when everyone's telling Ooh, yeah. Seth what mm-hmm. to do, like, like the, he, he knows that he can go back and like the feeling of, well, everyone's leaving. Like Ryan's about to leave. My dad left. So now wait, can I still go back? I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's when he's like, fuck, I have to go back now. Right. Yeah, because we forget too that Sandy has that stellar line. His his like his coup de gras at the end of his quote unquote Jedi mind trick to Seth is I left home when I was your age. I'm gonna tell you something I wish my parents had told me, and it was we love you, our door is always open. Mm. Um and so mm-hmm. kind of he like set the trap and then Ryan came in and, and made sure that, uh, that that Seth walked into it. But Chelsea, I interrupted you, which I do so much oh. and I'm sure Ryan edits out, but please Give you the point. Well, okay. The two things that are the biggest elephants in the room for me is a like lying about a dead baby. That's like a fucking heavy yeah. thing. Yeah. And especially today, even back then with the connectivity we had back then, like we had Zangas back there in MySpace and Facebook, I think might've even been around during this season. Mm-hmm. Like you could not just lie about your baby dying at this point. Yeah. And like, she's only 45 minutes away and Ryan has like friends, you know, like Arturo or whatever, like, ostensibly their paths would cross again. So to lie about a dead baby is kind of like an egregious thing that it would only happen in TV land. Mm. So that's kind of its own, like, I mean, that's just like a TV thing. So we can't really spend a lot of time analyzing it because it's obviously just like it's something that would only happen on TV. Mm -hmm. Um, But something that I did think was kind of a weird missed opportunity is that Ryan kind of deals in an odd way. Uh Like he kind of just moves on from this and never thinks or talks about it ever again. Yeah. The way he reacted in the episode, I really thought was, was effective. Um, but then, yeah, we go into the second episode in the, in the episode, he, like in the episode, in episode, if you think about someone like Ryan, who's very introverted and broody, I feel like the way that he would handle it is just to continue receding into himself and like go and sit by himself in the room. So like in the moment, I feel like he did a good job, but what I don't really understand is how it seems like as soon as they get back to Newport, it's like, well, everything's fine now. That's what I had the problem. That's what it was not even a yeah. really problem, but I will say, I mean, I laughed. This isn't really a joke or something to laugh at, really. But he gets back to Newport, and uh, it's, <laughs> I don't remember if it's this episode or the next one where he actually sees Marissa for the first time. Yeah, it's or, or it's maybe it's when he's talking to Kirsten, because it was in this episode, I have to quote. Where she, someone's just like, well, what about Teresa? And he just goes, it's a long story. I'll tell you later. And I'm just like, it's a it's, fucking it's like, dead it's, child. What are you talking it's about? Not, it's not yeah, a long story. I lost a child. Yeah, dude. And then, no, it, it's, it's, he says it's a long story to Kirsten and Sandy. But then to Marissa in the next episode, he says, I just thought this was the place I needed to be. Yeah, yeah. Like, really you know, weird. he's not going to address the elephant in the room. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Because obviously it's way worse that he went with Teresa for a while, but she still had a baby than to leave. Yeah. It way through. Like, you know, that's way worse. Um, the I guess just to kind of end it, you know, obviously they go back. Sandy and Kirsten are elated. 
um, Ryan goes and asks Seth, he's like, so wait a minute, how did you get to Portland? And he has that funny little story mm-hmm. about a greyhound, which was kind of amusing. I like this yeah. Ryan. Like, I'm in on this Ryan. He's kind of more fun than he was at the beginning of season one, obviously. But the the critique of I – remember, I remember my critique at the beginning of season one was he's not really taking this seriously. The fact that he got kicked out of – or his mom up and left him, and now he's in with the Coens. But suddenly mm-hmm. he was immediately preoccupied with Marissa, and like suddenly none of the other stuff that – happened really mattered to him anymore and it feels the same way with Teresa and the baby here where it's just like well everything's back to where we left it or where everyone likes it we just kind of threw this thing in as a monkey wrench to give you a cliffhanger for the season finale but we're Mm -hmm. just kidding yeah that's my biggest critique with it is that everything that happened in the finale was completely inconsequential when it came down Mm -hmm. to it yeah so there you go that's season that's season two episode one that will get us into season two Episode 2, The Way We Were, which features Sandy Cohen on screen for 10 minutes and 3 seconds. Dylan, what else do we need to know about The Way We Were? Well, this episode originally aired on November 11th, 2004 to 8.08 million viewers, written by Golden Boy Alan Heinberg. And I want to tell you all about this episode. Please. Here we go. Guess who just got back today? That's right, listeners. The boys are back in town, and both are eager to pick up where season one ended. Uh oh, everyone. Problem? Uh oh, everyone. <laughs> Marissa and Summer might not be on board. After Luke's swan song in episode one, seeing Newport Harbor High School and a bearded, day drunk Jimmy Cooper serving a sexy parrot head realness was like a comfort blanket. <laughs> So let's make like DJ the lawn guy and intrude aggressively into everyone's life while we remember the way things were. I call this meeting of the Newport Harbor High Comic Book Club to order. Wow. Feels good to be back. Oh, my gosh. And you know what I'm going to do just because I love you all right out of the gate. We get a comic book, so it is time for the first comic no. book minute of season two. <laughs> Seth is bagging and boarding Plastic Man number seven, written and illustrated by Scott Morse. It was originally released on June 16th, 2004. The entire issue is about Plastic Man's partner, Woozy Winks, falling in love, and Plastic Man doing PI work to help Winks woo her. Then he holds up Identity Crisis number one by Brad Meltzer, which was the first of a seven-part miniseries that was published beginning in August of 2004. Seth mentions Elongated Man and that he wants... Ryan to know the difference between Elongated Man and Plastic Man. And for your reference, Elongated Man was a member of the Justice League of America, and his wife Sue Dibney was killed in the first issue of Identity Crisis. And this has been your first and only comic book minute of this episode. New Dylan. I just blacked out for like three Uh minutes. I have no idea what just happened. So, well, you missed the best comic book minute of all time, and I feel like, as I said, I'm only going to do these when comic books are made into a point. Yeah, okay. Moving moving on. on. (laughs) So, everyone's back in Newport. That wasn't an invitation to recap what you just did in those moments that I was blacked out. Let's talk about it one more time. So, Plastic Man. What a quote. So, (laughs) that's the quote of the episode. So, um... It's time to go back to school, and Ryan and Seth, um, after they're finished bagging and boarding and getting ready, go into the kitchen where it's still chaos because all of these construction workers haven't been doing their job. Archie. Uh, we meet Archie, yeah. who I guess is from New York or is pretending he's from New York but is now working in California because he has a very thick accent. Um, turns out the guys don't have a ride to school even though we've seen them drive mm-hmm. a whole bunch of times. 
And so Archie volunteers to take them to school. Good guy, so Archie. so they arrive. Good guy, Archie, indeed. I loved that bit. I thought it was really oh, yeah. funny. And, you know, it was funny because at first I was like, why is no one taking them to school? But then I realized it's because the girls don't know. And Marissa normally drove them to school. Marissa oh, or Teresa yeah. and both That's of those right. girls are, Teresa's weird you know. car. Yep. So, <laughs> so, uh, so Archie takes them to school. They, you know, they're really nervous about, uh, about the new year starting and about people's opinions of them. So of course they forego the chicken truck to have Archie's truck instead, take them to Newport Harbor. They're sitting in the back, which is not very safe, but Hey, whatever. It's okay. We know that Archie doesn't care about OSHA violations. So I don't think he really cares about seatbelt laws. Yeah. So they're in the back. They hop off. Ryan does that cool thing and he smacks the back of the truck to tell Archie he can go. So he leaves, and then boom, right out of the gate, they see the two people that they didn't want to see. They see yeah. Marissa, and they see Summer. Right out of the tailgate. <laughs> right out of the tailgate, they see Marissa and Summer. And Summer's not having it, but what do you think the vibe is with Ryan and Marissa, guys? I love how all four of them had four different reactions that were so in character. Yes. That scene was also set to a very good song called Walnut Tree by Keen. Shout out to Keen. Uh, great song, great kind of uh, the the mood of that song is exactly the mood of that scene, where it's just kind of mm-hmm. it's a little chaotic. But I didn't know I kind of expected Marissa because I haven't seen it in so long. I kind of expected Marissa and Ryan to like be also kind of at odds. I didn't expect her to be so like welcoming to him. So that was a little surprising. Why would they be at odds? I don't. I guess because he left and she, I mean, she had mentioned that they had talked a couple of times, but then it had fallen off and they hadn't really talked in a while. I don't know about at odds, but just kind of like surprised or just like a. Keeping your distance a little bit. I don't know, but it's Marissa, so of course mm-hmm. she can't do that. Yeah, she's. you have to let her come to you, and you have to hold your hand with palm facing inward so she can smell it, mm-hmm. so she doesn't get startled. But So that's kind of what's going on with Ryan and Marissa, and then Seth and Summer have a completely different interaction, and we find out from Summer that she's already moved on. Um, she has a boyfriend, and Seth seems shocked which I thought was a little bit strange. And I actually have a note that says, Seth, what what did you think was going to happen with Summer? Did you think she was going to wait for you? And I can't remember if it's in this episode or the next episode that we find out that Summer was like distraught and really upset about it. It was the first episode and crying about Seth up until like the 4th of July. And then she got over it. And so I feel like, as, again, as much as I try to defend Seth, I feel like it is kind of a little bit presumptuous of him. You know, no joke. That's not a surprise. That Summer would just jump right back in the saddle, um, no pun intended, with this whole idea of Well, there was, a, there was that scene himself. at the beginning of the episode with Ryan and Seth in the pool house deciding whether or not they were going to go to school. And Ryan brought up, like, you know, Summer's probably moved on, so he should be okay as far as it's like maybe just having a normal, friendly relationship. And Seth's just like, wait, moved on? And I was just like, God, fuck you, dude. (laughs) Of course she's moved on. Come on. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, she's cute Summer. She's adorable. She's popular. Everyone likes her. I don't know if you were going to say what I was about to say, Dylan, but I even looked into this, so I didn't come off as like creepy dude again. But like, uh, she was 22 when they filmed these episodes. I looked at it. Her at the carnival at the end of this episode, so hot. I don't think I ever realized Mm -hmm. just how hot Rachel Bilson was in that scene. Great job, Rachel. Yeah, she. This is this is, the be- this is the best version of summer, and this version of summer lasts until the end of the series. 
Um, so I, I'm going to just go straight through the episode rather than by storyline, just because I, I feel like they kind of, it's cut in a really cool way. So we leave mm-hmm. them at school, like kind of a cliffhanger with, well, this happened now. And then we go back to Jimmy Cooper's boat where homeboy has been day drinking. Mm-hmm. I think it's like nine or 10 AM and he's rolling out with his shirt open the with his stubble and he has two mimosas. And he gives one to Haley, who I'm pretty sure the actress is still, like, only 20 years old at this point. And Tate, oh. Tate Donovan is evergreen, so it doesn't matter. Seafaring Tate. It suits him. He's living his best life. It really is. And so what I failed to mention is that Haley is on the phone. We don't necessarily know what she's talking about or what's going on, but we know that she's keeping it from Tate because she lies about who it was and what they were talking about. They just pounce some mimosas, so there might be uh, might be a secret. Haley seems a little bit uh, like she's not being completely honest. So we go back to school, and now we are talking with Ryan. Ryan is chatting with Miss Fisher. Who is Miss Fisher, academic, by the way? Do we, it's his academic counselor. Did we meet her in season one? Or is she new? Uh, she's new. I don't remember her. Okay. I, this is the only episode she's in, and she kicks off what I think is one of the most rewarding storylines in the entire series. Which is that Ryan so becomes a famous architect that's too famous to join the reboot of the OC. <laughs> they exactly. set the plans in motion early on. <laughs> Those seeds are planted here. Well, it's just kind of cool. And I guess to skip forward so we, we can just have this conversation right now. But basically, you know, they're renovating the Cohen's house. Ryan kind of tries to give input. He has the plans. Um, you know, Archie kind of comes back at him, even though Ryan has good suggestions. And then this new counselor sees it and she's like, well, you're going to be an architect. Yeah. Like, you know, we're going to get you an advanced math and science classes. And what, so what's kind of cool about this is first of all, it's kind of our first glimpse of Ryan's personality yes. that, that we have not gotten mm-hmm. before. Like he was literally just, like I said, Chino brooding and Marissa, nothing else. Like, meanwhile, Seth likes comics and Marissa is a social chair and Summer likes TV and celebrities and Sandy surfs and golfs and Kirsten likes her wine, you know? It's a personality trait. She loves her wine. Their D&D alignment chart. It it is. Wine mom is a personality Mm -hmm. type. Like, um, but, you know, all we got from Ryan is that he played soccer for half an episode and he was Snoopy once in a school musical. (laughs) So... I think that, that that's so cool. I love seeing Ryan unlocking, I guess you could say, his full potential. Um, next up, we have Seth mm-hmm. and Ryan who are hanging out, eating lunch, and we see that Seth is also trying to unlock his true potential by starting the high school comic book club. He uh, has done some mock-ups. I think, is this the first time this season where we find out that Seth is actually a pretty good artist, comic book artist? Yeah. I don't think he was yeah. drawing anything in season out of- one. Out of nowhere, yeah, he like is this. just a stellar artist. He has this picture of an idealized version of himself. We learn that that's the ironist. It's him with powers. And he invites Ryan to the comic book club and then starts passing stuff out. And Ryan's like, dude, isn't that kind of nerdy if it's, you know, what's the deal here? And, and Seth, of course, asks, I mean, you know, he kind of sees what we're seeing, which is comic books are getting more popular. He asks, do you know how much Spider-Man 2 made in the box office? And Ryan, I know you know that I looked it up and it made $789 million at the box office. So not uh, not mm. bad. But he uh, he invites him to be in the comic book club. And so that's kind of the only little thing that that vignette does. It establishes the comic book club and it establishes that Seth is also unlocking his true potential. We are now with Marissa and Summer. Marissa and Summer are driving off in Marissa's uh, to go and get Marissa's car at her house. And we have this really awkward situation where 
the hot lawn guy, DJ, is mm-hmm. blocking the driveway, and Marissa's really rude and honking. Marissa's so rude. Marissa's, like, being oh, racist. She's like, she's... She is, well, I don't, uh, racist or classist, or maybe a little of both, I don't know. But it's, like, jarring how rude yes. she is. And so, out of this first interaction before Summer leaves, so we get another one of these stellar Summer lines, which is a hot, hot yard guy in the yard who is hot. I wrote like, the same thing. Yeah. I love, yeah. I don't even, <laughs> that was it's almost awesome. like this musical repetitious well, that, that was, But that was speaking. after Summer found out about her and... Marissa and DJ. She said that after. She's like, how are you going to explain it to Ryan? Right. Well, oh, yeah. And how that whole thing happens is she grabs her latte and takes a sip and she goes, what are you drinking? Marissa is fucked up to the point where she is drinking at school. Who on earth? Honestly, I think that drinking at school is less of a cry for help than just drinking alone at your house. And I, I mean... I personally think that I would be doing that too hmm. if the guy I was dating comes into my house when I'm applying lip gloss with his shirt okay. unbuttoned. I, I, I kind of, I feel like we might be on different pages here because the whole thing with Bruce and DJ, I mean, unless she explicitly told him like, oh yeah, we're like hooking up because there's a future or like we're dating or something. I, I just, I don't understand why he just assumes that because they've hooked up a couple times that like they're in a relationship now i guess like that whole thing was weird to me he's just like well what have we been doing all summer i'm like she you were like a summer fling like you guys were just like hooking up right like i didn't understand how this became such a big plot point like how am i going to tell ryan i'm like you tell him you were hooking up with the yard guy because he left and now he's back and the yard guy's not your boy the yard guy's not your boyfriend like well, and just like Summer said, there was a hot, hot yard guy in the yard who <laughs> was hot. Was hot. Yeah. Like, that's enough. And, like, he was ostensibly, like, he was sleeping in a bed with Teresa, playing house with Teresa. Like, that's way, way, way more intimate mm-hmm. and involved than hooking up with the yard, the yard guy. DJ's hot, right? Do we think DJ's hot? Yes. DJ is very hot. I have a theory. I'll let us talk about Zach first, but I have a theory about Zach and um and DJ Lawn Guy and oh. DJ. Okay, okay. Well, we'll get there fast. The only thing that we have to do before we get to that Zach part is I want to talk about what's going on with Sandy and Caleb. So I I love this version of Caleb. I love drunk Caleb. So Sandy um, has been trying to find Caleb. Caleb has gone missing. And so he finds Caleb. Caleb's at a bar. Caleb is drinking scotch really early in the morning, much like Jimmy is drinking mimosas really early in the morning. And it's because he found out that uh, he was going to get indicted for doing some very shady stuff, which it sounds like what he was doing was he was bribing city officials in order to get building permits in Newport, which is not something that you're supposed to do, ladies and gentlemen. So he's just getting drunk because I guess it's his last hurrah before he gets taken in by uh, by by the feds. Okay, so this is I respect conf- it. This is what I'm confused about. So no, never mind. This is a stupid lawyer thing, and I'm not going to say it because I'm New Dylan. So he gets wow. drunk. The end. Um, <laughs> next, next up, he, let's talk. he to, like Sandy has to take him home because he's drunk, and Sandy kind of explains to Julie, kind of like, "Hey, you need to get ready because this shit's about to get real." Yep. And yeah. Julie, I I love mm-hmm. the look on Julie's face when she finds out about that because I I Mandela affected something in my head where Sandy said, "You sure know how to pick them." 
to Julie. But that's basically the look on her face, which is, you know, I marry Jimmy and we're all really rich. And then he screws stuff up with money and gets in trouble and goes potentially you know, could face jail time. And then I get married to, to Caleb, who's rich and all this stuff. And then I find out that he's doing squirrely stuff. And so Julie is just in a bad place uh, right now um, with her dating life and her marriage uh, choices. So Julie, you know, we understand your 30s are tough um, and we're here for you. But we're back at the school now, and it's time for the first annual meeting of the comic book club. I guess not mm-hmm. not annual. It's the first meeting of the comic book club. It's only Seth and Ryan. Ryan has this great line where he's like, Seth, is it just us? And Seth's like, hey, he says, if it's just us, can we just do this at home? Which I love. I love <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this, uh, this really, really nice-looking water polo guy walks up, and he's like, hey, is this a comic book club meeting? Yeah. He looks cool. different than I remember him looking, because I haven't seen his episodes in so long. He looks younger and like not maybe that's because so much time has passed he looks not as attractive as i remember him being when the show was on i guess he's no dj so i wrote the opposite i wrote speak my note was zach is all caps dashing <laughs> okay i can he's see got that too much of a baby face i think <laughs> i love the uh, i love the, the the line from seth like <laughs> i, can see I that. laughed out loud leslie laughed out loud when seth described zach as the wasp version of him mm-hmm. like i love that but so anyway the water polo player is zach in case you didn't pick up on that um a student i mean he's like a, a freaking winkle boss twin oh my god i literally wrote a note i didn't say it in the first episode but like when the first episode we go back to when they were in portland and they were playing video games and luke has these lines where he's like He's like, I want, I want to break your bones and like drink your blood or something like that when they're playing games. And I wrote, oh, I, wrote no. I wrote, Luke has Army Hammer energy, so it's really funny that you just, <laughs> Army it's really funny oh, that you God. just brought up the Winklevoss twins. I have never been more disappointed by a celebrity in my entire you, life. You think that's scary? He's got a twin brother out there who could be doing things that are worse. Don't, oh. no, don't stop this. <laughs> stop. Move on. If you guys could see their faces, you'd understand why I am the way I am. Okay, so (laughs) Seth, because he's, of course, the gatekeeper for all things nerdy, decides this guy's too hot to be into comic books. Yeah, that was super weird. Like, Seth felt very threatened by, like, oh, you think you know comic books? And, like, Zach, I'm just going to say you can have your opinion. I know you have opinions, Dylan. Mm -hmm. But, like, (laughs) Zach has, like, a very cool, like, a Superman monologue that I was like, oh, yeah, it's really, he's like, he does read comic books. And then Seth's whole Mm -hmm. thing is, like, why doesn't the Hulk's pants come off when he hulks up? I'm like, damn, Seth, yeah. does Seth even know anything about comic books? Come he doesn't. On. And if Seth knew things about comic books, he'd realize that Superman was created by two Jewish writers during World War II. That's that's what he would know. And he would know that Superman is supposed to be that idealized version that was created by people who were being very oppressed at the time. So I'm on Team Zack. So um, they get really buddy-buddy with Zach. They love him until they find out, kind of like we said, that it's actually Summer's boyfriend. They're kissing. He's the Wasp version. Um, Leslie also amended her statement from earlier. She no longer thinks that I'm a Seth. She thinks that I'm a Zach, which... She's just, being, she's she's just, just being nice. She's just being nice. But you know what? She is being nice. And so... That's super sweet. She's a very sweet person. I'm very <laughs> lucky. Chelsea's just she's... like, well, that's very sweet of Leslie to tell you that. <laughs> All right. Y'all, are you guys ready for my hot take on the yes. boys? Yes. Um. So I feel like uh, Zach and DJ are mirror images of Seth and Ryan. <gasps> They're like more complete versions of them. Deep takes. Because. Ooh. Yes. 
And this is why, and maybe, maybe this doesn't come across in the first episode, but since I just rewatched this a few months ago, I have a more holistic picture of DJ, (laughs) but DJ is similar to Ryan in that he's like an outsider and, you know, didn't grow up privileged and is like, you know, kind of like a hunky, like, you know, man, a few words, but DJ is an emotion, like very in touch with his emotional side. Mm -hmm. He is able to express his emotions a lot better And he's very kind of like earnest and just like, I, you know, he, he just is emotionally a lot more stable and um, healthy than most of the other people on the entire freaking show. And obviously Ryan does not have those skills. He cannot express himself emotionally. He cannot express the things he's feeling inside. All he can do is act in a kind of um you know destructive way well and same deal with zach like zach mm-hmm. is a competent version of seth he's yes. a you know really handsome kind of alpha male who's also just like comfortable in his own skin he's athletic yeah. he like literally they both have the good characteristics of ryan and seth plus other good things without the weaknesses that's an incredible take chelsea bravo i, I to love you. that take i just want to say that it it's you. weird to me now that you've said that and you've drawn those parallels it is a little weird to me. I mean, I guess Marissa's whole thing with quote unquote dating or like keeping her thing with DJ a secret. I mean, I feel like it's more about her just not wanting people to know that she's hooking up with somebody because Ryan had just left and she, but like everyone seems to think it, Oh, he's it's because he's the yard guy or like, it is very classist, but like no one had a problem with her dating Ryan. And that feels very yeah. similar, I guess. But Ryan lives in a, you know what I mean? He lives, he lives with the Coens now. But I'm now saying, no, I mean, I agree with you. you know. I agree with what you're saying. But to me, mm-hmm. it's just weird writing for her to be like, oh, yeah, I'll date this guy from Chino, but I can't let anyone know that I'm hooking up with the yard guy. You would think, too, that she would. I mean, I know why she's attracted to him, because if she lives outside, a yard guy is like cleaning her house all the time. So there's mm-hmm. an appeal for Marissa to date him. So I understand the attraction. I don't understand the stigma. But one thing um, that I do really want to talk about is I want to talk about the fact that Ryan goes to see Marissa. Marissa gives him a tour of the new house to see, you know, this is my giant mansion that I live in now. Uh, DJ is like, you know, like Javert and, and Les Mis just peeking through windows. There's so, and many, there's so many scenes in this series that are just mm-hmm. people seeing someone kissing someone that they weren't supposed to see. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm yes. over that trope already. It's there's It happened twice with Ryan and Marissa and then Ryan and DJ, or Marissa and DJ. Ryan and DJ would have been a real twist. So, um. so <laughs> yep. Reboot. So Ryan Ryan asks her to go to the kickoff carnival. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the big thing that we get out of that, aside from DJ watching, um, which is a great DJ name, and um, getting invited to the kickoff carnival. Uh, before we actually get to the kickoff carnival itself, mm-hmm. I want to talk about what's going on with Jimmy and Haley. So we find out that uh, Haley's been offered a job, allegedly, in Japan mm-hmm. uh, to work with one of her friends. She hasn't told Jimmy. Kirsten's kind of like, you got to tell you got to tell Jimmy. You got to do the right thing. So she does tell Jimmy, and um, he kind of goes for the nuclear option and says, well, okay, let's get married then. Okay, I, I, I love this scene. This is, like, my favorite scene in the episode, and I think it's really mm-hmm. – I don't think I cared about it at all before until, like, as an adult now I can kind of see – parts of myself and both of these characters as an adult person but like first of all it was my music moment of the episode Sufjan Stevens to be alone with you yes oh my god fucking just an incredible beautiful song and specifically like the as the score to that scene I thought that scene was really good and Mm -hmm. I don't really I I was more kind of on 
Tate's side in that situation. Um, it does seem mm-hmm. to me like Tate wasn't being that crazy. I mean, it's crazy to say marry me. I don't think it's crazy for him to say like, look, we'll figure it out. Like if I need to go to Japan yeah. or you need to stay here and we'll work. He, he like he, he made multiple references to like working from home, which I thought was very forward thinking of Tate <laughs> in this yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like it just seemed crazy for her to be like, I have to go to Japan until we can no longer be together. And it's like that seems very dramatic, but it's a drama TV show. So it makes sense. But uh, hey, shout out to Sufjan Stevens. Shout out to Sufjan. I am. Um... We also have the last thing before the carnival I misspoke is what I'm assuming is another one of Ryan's favorite scenes. And Ryan goes to see Summer, Summer at doing Summer's her, house. her high vibe, her high vibe meditation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we get a couple interesting things out of this conversation. Um, and the first thing we get is we get the knowledge that Zach is not, is not actually like, they're not dating. Zach and Summer aren't dating because she refuses to get close to anyone, which kind of seems counterintuitive to this whole idea of, of her meditating and her accepting everything. And she, uh, she also gives a great line, which I think is, you know, it can sum up like almost this entire season, I feel like. And she says the way we were wasn't always so great. Yeah. Which, I mean, in today's kind of nostalgia-obsessed culture, I mean, as evidenced by the fact we're doing a podcast about a show that we're nostalgic about, it's it's really interesting because Summer's almost saying to Ryan what you and, and me and Chelsea, what we all say to each other every week when we record this, which is, I mean, maybe that wasn't such a good thing. Maybe in 2021, that's not a great idea. In other words, the way things were wasn't all necessarily all that great. So I really kind of loved... With the summer wisdom, and we're going to get more summer wisdom as the show Dude, progresses. Summer Roberts, the voice of reason, for the rest. Oh, of the Oh, it's great. She's mm-hmm. she's becoming almost Sandy esque mm-hmm. in her in her presentation of these ideas. No, that's great. I, I like that comparison. That's cool. So DJ's mad because of he's, this whole... he's hurt, and I get yeah. it. Like he's he's not angry at Mer- like he's hurt by her, and that's how he's expressing it. Because I would feel mm-hmm. like that too. Like he she was treating him outwardly, like he was beneath her. That was terrible. Yeah, she gets she gets all of these calls from him while she's at dinner, and she has to go outside to talk to him, which I thought mm-hmm. was a really interesting callback to Julie and, uh, Luke. and Luke where Luke comes and tries to interrupt. And so it's the same thing about this embarrassing relationship um, that's going on. And Marissa pretty much shows her, her, her reliance on the caste system that is in America. And she's like, I, it's embarrassing if people find out that I'm dating the, you know, the yard guy, this is, I, you know, we can't do this. We can't go public. And if my parents find out, they'll fire you. And then DJ does what DJ should do. And he said, well, don't worry. I quit. Okay. Hang on. No, hang on. Up to that point. The, the way the show is written, I can't rewrite. I can't like say that like there's there is subtext or there isn't. I think it's literally written as Marissa saying, "I can't date you because you're the yard guy." And that's probably what she actually means. But when I yeah. see it and I hear it, my first instinct is there's something else. She's using that as an excuse. Like I've definitely done that. You use something as an excuse for like, "Well, I've got too much other stuff going on right now. I can't date this person." When in the reality yeah, is, I, really you're you just, just like you're just not that him. into the person, yeah. right? And it kind of feels like mm-hmm. what's happening here. It could just be she could be very very into him, but he's the yard guy, which seems more or less plausible. I think she's just yeah. not. Mm-hmm. I think she just knows he's a hot dude and she wants to keep hooking up with him. For him to just be like, "What have we been doing all summer?" Like, it's. I feel like you should have figured it out by that point that you're not in a relationship with this girl, especially if she's like mm-hmm. keeping you a secret. Um, but then for her, he did the right thing by saying I quit and like walking away. That should have been it. But then she starts crying and he immediately comes back to her. He's like, "No, no, no, don't cry," and just makes out with her. Yeah, he's like sweet DJ, and you'll see in future episodes that DJ is just a good dude. Um, but. 
Yeah. I, he, can... he kisses her. So he's mad enough to quit, but then she starts crying. They kiss in the headlights of Ryan's car because this is the OC mm-hmm. and that's what always happens. But yeah, so now I think you, you guys want to go to the carnival, kickoff carnival? Um, before we move on, um, I do want to talk about really fast. I missed it whenever we were talking about it. That conversation that Ryan, when he goes to Summer's house and starts talking to her, uh-huh. um, I thought that was interesting because this is the only scene I can remember that's just Ryan and Summer. And it's kind of strange to me just because like you think about friends, you think about how I met your mother and they actively try to create storylines that pair them up in different mixed ways, you know, but I don't, they don't really make a point to do that in the OC Mm -hmm. at all. Um, You really don't see a lot of moments even between Ryan and Kirsten. They're few and far between, you know, Seth and Marissa, you know, they kind of fight one time and they bond over punk music one time and like, that's it. It reminded me a lot of the scene in season one where Seth Seth goes to to talk to Marissa and the whole line where Marissa's like, Mm -hmm. oh, what, Seth, a a Star Star Wars Wars convention? convention? And and it's interesting because it's kind of like they're going... They're doing what what I feel like dudes in high school have done since time immemorial, and they're going to the girl that they like's friend to try yeah. and talk to them. So kind of like to sweeten the, to like mm-hmm. prepare prepare the runway. If you yeah, know. they're drop they're dropping breadcrumbs. They're like, exactly. this is gonna get back to them. We're playing telephone. But also, Ryan's like awkwardness when he gets into Summer's room. I feel like I was like, yeah, he just walked into a high vibe in Babe's room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But let's go to the carnival. Please. Let's go to the kickoff carnival. This is a big deal. This is Seth and Ryan have built up this carnival in their heads, just as I'm sure the viewers yeah, at well, the time have us, built it up in their heads. As, as, as viewers who have seen this carnival in the past, we have we also have expectations now. So I think it's really yes. good. It's really cool of them to be like, hey, remember that thing from last year that was great? It's going to suck now. Oh, I loved it so much. And I... Uh, Seth was very cringy in this in this instance. Ryan was Ryan was as cringy, I feel like, as Ryan can get, where he and Marissa end up just having a fight. So not only do they not get on the Ferris wheel and kiss, but they argue and bad things happen. So he kind of he shoots his shot and he misses. And so now we go and check on Seth. No, he didn't shoot it. No, 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 no. He did not shoot his shot. He what I thought was kind of unfair, and it's something Chelsea brought up earlier, which was you were doing your thing with Teresa. It's not. It's fine that Marissa's doing her thing with DJ. Like, what's the difference, really? Except one's much mm-hmm. more serious, and that was the Ryan and Teresa one. He does have a mm-hmm. point, which was just like, I asked you if you were dating anyone, and you said no, and all I wanted you to do was be honest. But I feel like she was being honest. She wasn't dating anyone. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Well, yeah. and that's like putting her on the spot. Like, if you were kind of into someone, and they were like, are you dating anyone? Of course, she'd be like, oh, no, not really. And I also feel like she missed an opportunity there to say, what you saw was me ending things with him because you're back in town now. And yeah, like what was that about? That would have been so easy. Be like, I, you know, I was lonely and I bonded with this guy, but I was breaking up with him. Let's not forget that Teresa got pregnant because Ryan and Marissa broke up for like three days. And then Ryan immediately went to Teresa and hooked up with her immediately. And Marissa was able to forgive that. And then obviously Marissa's dealing with a very traumatic, like come down from Oliver and Ryan's just gets a cold shoulder. And she's probably drunk. Let's be real. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When you get drunk, you just want to make out with people. Leave her alone. Yeah. Especially the yard guy. 
I mean, the hot, hot yard guy who's in the yard. I love, I love how how into summer, how how much summer is into Marissa and DJ. Just being like, oh my god, that's so like forbidden and hot. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. she loves. It's like it's like the valley. She loves yeah. it. So um, Seth is being very cringy, and he decides that he is going to try and win Summer back in the exact same way that he kind of won her in the first place by finding a something to stand on. In this case, uh, he doesn't have a coffee cart, so he stands on the hot dog, I guess, table, mm-hmm. and he has to climb over an inflated hot dog first. And he does. He gets up there, and he professes his love to Summer, and poor Zach just walks up, and he's like, What? And he just looks so hurt with what's going on. I hate how sympathetic you are for Zach now just because Leslie said that you are like Zach. Well, I I also like Zach a whole lot. And I still understand that Seth is going through some stuff. I'm new, Dylan. I understand people's emotions, except except Ryan uh, Ryan Drake's. I um I hate Ryan more than Ryan hates me. I'm new, Dylan. (laughs) So um, it doesn't work, obviously. And Seth is like, trying to talk to summer and trying to convince summer um to take him back and like like touching her and all this stuff and she's like cohen stop and he doesn't stop and then zach steps in and goes hey she said stop please mm-hmm. stop and i'm just like good guy zach oh yeah good yep. guy that's that's white that's some, that. that's some white knighting you know seth that's how it goes so they leave and um you know ryan kind of comes up and they both realize the carnival's not going their way and then seth decides that he's going to do a little bit more than he shouldn't and he walks out into traffic and stands in front of the car that uh, Zach is driving him and Summer away in. And uh, <laughs> Seth almost gets hit by a car. If you're Zach, do you run him over in that moment? I think it's 50-50. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's a very good chance yeah. um, that I would quote-unquote accidentally do it. So um, Summer gets out of the car and you know basically berates Seth. You know, what are you doing? And gives just this amazing speech that... Yeah. If we can, I don't know if we can, I want to throw it into the episode. What do you want from me, Cohen? I just want you. No, you don't. You had me. You had me at Chrismica in a freaking Wonder Woman costume, and you chose Anna. You had me three months ago, and you left. I want to make that up to you. It has nothing to do with me. It is about you, and it is always about you. What you need and what you want, you know? It seems that you only want me when you can't have me. You like the chase, and that's all. So you know what? You can have it. Absolutely. Summer says in 30 seconds what took us probably an hour to say on our Seth episode. Yes, yes. So uh, Alan Heinberg is, yeah, the, is the person that we all tried to be in our Seth Cohen episode, and he said it so well through Summer. It was great I stuff. have one last stupid note about the carnival. I'm going to preempt it by saying it's a stupid note about the carnival before we get to the final uh, minutes of the episode. And it's, did you notice mm-hmm. that the sign that says kickoff carnival was facing the wrong way? And it wasn't facing the entrance. It was facing the carnival itself. It's probably for camera reasons. So when you walked in, I like to think it's because everything that happened at the carnival this year was backwards compared to what happened in the first I like to think of it as that Marissa's still in charge of the kickoff carnival and she planned it and she's just drunk drunk and she's just drunk and hung the sign up wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, uh, that's actually funny that you noticed the mm-hmm. the carnival decor because I did the same. They have like those very old school balloons that are like oh. um, very symmetrical Queen. in like a perfect like 
it, it's like in a perfect column, like not well, great ballooning, the but you know. Has this episode is sponsored by Balloon Therapy Tulsa. Helium so, Queen. They leave the carnival unsuccessful. Um, hopefully they learn some lessons. We'll only be able to find out in the next episode. And Caleb is there. And as uh, Seth says, Grandpa's eating on the floor. And he says, yes, uh, Seth, it has come to this. They're all eating Chinese food, which I guess is what they do whenever they're going through stuff. And lo and behold, there is a knock, knock, knock on the door. And it is the government to come and the arrest. Gov- Johnny government showed up. It is Johnny and Steve government from Pentagon Incorporated, and they come to arrest Caleb Nickel. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets arrested, and and Sandy gets one of his trademark lines, which is "I'm his lawyer." Which that wasn't a Sandy. No, I think that was not an impression. That was good. That was good. not good. New deal. I'm a lawyer. I'm his lawyer. Don't say anything until I get there. I'll follow you to the police station. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the end of the episode. So uh, hold on. We get, we had our music moment. It was mm-hmm. Sufyan. Yes. What was our outfit of the episode? Um, the outfit of the episode was Marissa and. Uh, Summer's first day of school outfits because they both okay. encapsulated the moment so perfectly. Marissa is Summer's wearing Summer's hair with the curly curly she, hair. That yeah, she had the, the scrunch curls. So what you do is you get out of the shower, you um like brush through your hair just one time, and then you spray gel all over it. And you just crunch it like this, like you mm-hmm. scrunch. So she had that, and she had this pink striped shirt. All of my shirts had horizontal stripes on them. I don't know why. A giant keyhole cutout, and um, there was like a rosette yeah. on her collar, and then she was wearing these big white palazzo pants. It was so perfect. She got that outfit at um, I don't know, not limited to, but like somewhere kind of like for older people. I don't even now I'm blanking. Forever twenty one. Yeah, forever twenty one, or um, she got it maybe Charlotte Russe, some, somewhere like that, maybe Express. The buckle baby. Shout out to the, the buckle. buckle. One more time. Shout, shout out to the so buckle. So she. The true religion religion. She hit that kind of like glam fashion of high school, but Marissa hit kind of the preppy version of high school. She wore like a pastel Lacoste polo, a mid-length ruffled skirt, and then this weird low-rise belt that serves no purpose other than aesthetics. Like it's actually, those kind of belts are like hard to keep on your hips rather than helping keep things on your body. They're like wrestling championship belts. Yeah, you like have to like adjust them constantly so they don't just like fall off of you. I mean, I didn't have that problem because I'm a cake girl, but like Marissa, not built like that. That thing was falling off her all day long. Built like a beanpole. Yeah. Yeah. That's episode two. We did it. And that's episode one of season two of this podcast. Hell yeah. How do you all feel? Do you feel like we're as good as we were last season? I feel like, the way we uh, I feel like at this point last season, we are significantly better now. Heck well, hopefully yeah. everyone stayed around for this because we're going to put out some fire content. I was thinking about some good uh, bonus episode ideas. We'll, uh, I cannot so. wait, because, and I'm going to hold you to this. I'm going to say this on the podcast so we will see it in the world. Well, I can edit it out, but yeah, go ahead. That That's true, but you won't because you want to see it too. I cannot wait to see the OC TikToks that Chelsea is going to put out. Okay. This season. Well, yeah, I am finally in a place where I'm like, wow, I actually can breathe. Oh my like, God. Please so. just make a TikTok of the Marissa scream sound. <gasps> just repeat it over and over and over and over. This yeah. is so good. Oh my God. Okay, cool. And that sound is going to go viral I'm going to get a million followers just for being the author of that sound. Like, that's great. It's the new, why are you running? 
And or you the, heard it here uh, for I, the first my time. My favorite sound of like this whole year was like the Panic at the Disco and Watermelon Sugar mashup. Oh yeah, yes. it's oh, a so good, good one. That's a fucking good one. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, we are before we get too far off track. Uh, you can find us on Instagram if you want to see some of the some of this hot content that's coming through the the pipeline. Uh, you can follow us at Cohen's Pod, C O H E N S P O D, or uh, send us an email if you want. I don't think we've ever, we got like a weird email this week that wasn't from a listener. <laughs> it was from like a service. Uh, Cohen's Pod at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us. We will be back next week to discuss episodes three and four of the of season two of the oc yeah we're stepping we're stepping our game up because we know that we're about to get this halo effect so you know send in those emails be looking on our instagram i'm gonna start posting um much more frequently like we are yeah we're we're going we're going big time we're peaking at the right time i totally agree cool uh well that's it we'll see you guys next week see you then bye-bye